the Mel Gedroyd Podcast. Hey there, it's Mel G, and this week on my little podcast, we shall be talking about... We're going to be talking about kids' homework, the difficulties thereof being a slightly thick parent, the proper way to eat an orange. Oh yes, my friends, there is one. And Les not necessarily the musical, but the book, all 900 pages of it. If you like that, then do have a listen to me every Saturday lunchtime from One on Magic. There'll be more chat and some great songs thrown in for good measure. gang, I don't want to jinx anything. Is there a little whiff of spring in the air? Bush, feelings and thoughts, please. I think there might be spring in the air. There's definitely a spring in my step, and I think there's spring in the air. Yeah. The kind of weather where you would, you would take your hat off and nod and say good morning to a, a fox or a squirrel Yeah. when you're leaving the house. Yeah. Are you feeling it? Totally, mate. What, what has made you think that you definitely can feel spring? There's a feeling on my cheeks, <laughs> both upper and lower. <laughs> Of warmth and sort of a slight coziness. Yeah. As if something were rubbing me gently. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel it, and I feel a bit frisky. Do you? Yeah, not in a sort of rude way, but as you say, doffing the cap, hello, Mr Squirrel, Yeah. hello, Mr Beaver, hello, Mr Shrew, <laughs> whoever you chance to meet. All of the animals. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I sense from you, Mel, that you're feeling mischievous. A little bit mischievous. A little bit mischievous. And also, I have to say... I've got, to, I've got to tell you about this, Bush. Uh-huh. Over the last week, my new best friend is this. Whoa, what is that? Did you feel that weighty tome going down on the desk? That's one hell of a book there, Mel. Victor Hugo's Les Miserables. What? The... Z- and what is Le... that exactly? Les Miserables. The it is the book, Bush, on which the renowned over 30 years musical is based. Is it really? Yep, it's possibly the most important work in 19th century French fiction, nay, European fiction. What I'm saying to you is this. This book is, and I'm looking as I speak, 900 pages. Wow. There are 121 chapters. OMG. I'm on page 424 and I am totally obsessed. You're still hooked? Frankly, I'm in 19th century Paris. (laughs) The whole time. (laughs) And what has made you get into a book that is so long? I don't think I've ever read a book that's that big. Matey, it's all about that. We'll discuss further. I've decided only long books now. (laughs) That's it, closing. (laughs) What I'm saying is, essentially, Bush... Uh Uh-huh. Go to your library, go to your local bookshop, whatever it is. Don't mince about with a sort of, you know, a 90-page novella. A pamphlet. Oh, exactly. Or a a 200-page novel. (laughs) How How delightful. No. Nothing under 850 pages will do, my friend. That's like an opus, isn't it? It's like, it's like a huge project you're reading there. Do you reckon I, you'll get the whole way to the end of it? Yeah, of course I will. Got it out on the tube on the way here. Yeah. People were impressed. It's a huge book. If you got that out on the tube, I would think, if I didn't know you, that you were a wizard. Exactly. It's that big. It's like a spell book. Exactly. Mel, you're going to hate me because the most recent thing I've bought is a tiny little book, 200 pages long. Pish. Of Short stories. Short stories. That means I'm kind of not in for the long haul. This has a tapestry of cast of characters. Mm -hmm. It's. I mean, they are closely woven. It is the fight between good and evil, between church and state, between Jean Valjean and Javert. I am Jean Valjean. (laughs) That's a little bit of the musical. I am Javert. That's another bit of the musical. They want to 
fight each other to the yeah. death. It is brilliant. It sounds like uh, some kind of gangster movie. Has it got a bit of gangster to it? There's a little bit of 19th century gangsterism within it. Someone came up to me at a dinner party the other week and said they completely agreed with what you were saying on the show the other week about how you sob uncontrollably at musicals. <sighs> Are you sobbing at this book because it's the book version of Les Miserables? I, that's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. I have to confess that as I read it, sometimes my thoughts go to Michael Ball, who played the original Marius in 1985. Really? And he, I love Michael Ball with all my heart. I love him. And when he sings a song, it brings a moistening to the eyelid. But the book itself, and I will do this again. Listen to that, everyone. Listen to that noise. 900 ruddy pages. Wow. Of Victor Hugo's. Les Miserables. I love it. So what, should I start getting a long book as well? Yes, mate. Try a Tolstoy. Yes, I shall give you War and Peace to start off with, Bush. OK. Time for Poddington's. Oh, not so much no. of a... You always get more of a... When you I do, it, I do get, get a better noise out of the jar. Yeah, you do, you do. I'm going in. Here we go. Right, Bush. What's it going to be? I always find the more tightly wrapped up it is, the more pedantic the question <laughs> This is really pedantic. This is really pedantic. But good, though. I like this kind of thing. What's the correct way to eat an orange? Cut it up into quarters and suck it or eat it by segment? That is so weird. My girlfriend Katie and I had exactly this disagreement during the week. Stop it. Because I like to cut an orange into four pieces and then devour it. You're a footballer. Is that what what it is, isn't it? I'm assuming when you do football every week as you do, mm-hmm. that you have orange segments, or I always, don't you? I have an orange one when I get back home. Okay. So definitely, yes. Also, then, you get to do the pretend that your teeth are orange thing yes. with it as well. Why would you want to miss out on that joke? I don't like it at all when people cut the orange down the way of the line of pith within. <laughs> I like it to cut across so you get the two, uh, you get the Pac-Man. I've never, cu- I've never cut across the pith in my life. Is yeah. that what you should be doing? No, no. Oh, no, always cut across the pith. I've never cut across the pith. Don't cut with the pith. Do you know what I'm saying? I think I do. Because when your mouth goes into the segment, yeah. it doesn't feel right if you've cut with the pith. Cut I'm... across. Always cut across. I need to check that out. I really need to check that out. What I'm saying is, you cut the orange so that on looking at it when it falls apart, yeah. you can see like a sundial. Oh, no, I never cut it like that. Oh, Bush. Have I been cutting oranges wrong my entire life? So when you cut it, yeah. you get the sort of almost like... I can't describe it, but it just feels so wrong. It feels wrong. It. It's always felt wrong, but I've never known why. Cut across, mate. And, all, and by, just, just, just to Cut pause, a, a spare a thought for the messy beggars who peel the little bits off oranges. What are they playing oh, at? I don't no. like that. I presume that's what that's referring to, the other way. Peeling it. Pe- they're peeling, that's what they call it. Which is really hard. Yeah. It's not like a satsuma. And you get it under your fingernails. Always. Like, just, if you do that, you're a disgrace. Yeah. So we're saying segment, Mm -hmm. because that's the verb, probably. Segment the orange and never cut with the pith, cut across it. I've learned, I've definitely learned a valuable lesson there. Good. It's time for Bush's Red Letter Day. Bush, what day have we got today? Would you believe it, Mel? Today is World Plumbing Day. Lovely. Love a bit of plumbing. As, As in, as in plumbing. As in plumbing, yeah. As in the the lovely ladies and men who come... I put ladies first, did you notice that? Well done. You never meet a female plumber. Uh, The ladies and men who come round to your house and sort out your pipes. Exactly. Sorting out your pipes, it's a day to celebrate those people. If you're one of those people who does that job well done, pat on the back. Here's three amazing facts about plumbing. Come on. Fact number one. Good. Standardised plumbing can be traced back to around about 3000 BC, where the Indus River Valley civilization used earthen plumbing pipes to provide transportable water and drain wastes. I, 
Wow. So Ancient two, plumbing. Two separate pipes, we're hoping. Yeah. One for the sewage and one for the for the water. 100%. From 3000 BC. 3000 BC. That's a brilliant fact. I'm no mathematician, but that's about 3000 years before Christ. That's amazing. Fact number two. Good. The flushing toilet was invented by John Harrington in 1596, which is where we get the nickname The John. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's why well, there Americans was also it. Thomas Crapper, wasn't there? There was, yeah. But he did he invent the loo itself? I think he invented the old the fashion, porcelain. Yeah, the porcelain flushing loo. Yeah. There you go. So they kind of their nicknames have stuck. Yeah. With these loos. Fact number three, Good. and this is weird because we had this exact question on Tell Mel the other week. Yeah. Seventy-five percent of people prefer to position the toilet paper with the flap in the front, which is called overhand, as opposed to to the back, underhand. I, f- I forget what we decide. I'm always over. Always over. I think that's what you advised the person who was asking yes. that question. Yeah. So you, you were right. Are you overhand or uh, underhand? Overhand, 75%. Always. Always. Yeah. That's, those are really, really good facts, Bush. You've done extremely well. That's the way I'm feeling, Bush. I, I like that. help that. Like a, like a playful border collie yes. type feeling. That's what it is. I've got, I don't know, it's something about, what's that expression when you have, um, oh, the sap, the sap is rising. The sap is rising. The sap is rising. I feel like you've got such energy today, Mel, that after the show, I'm going to need to go and throw a ball for you somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> if you see Mel tearing around your local park, <laughs> it's just us after the show. Uh, now, Mel G here on Magic with the, with the mighty Bush, Bush How's your week been? It's been all right. My week has been characterised, Mel, by two words, and that's homework. Oh. Homework. Oh, mm, it's yes. ramped up. My daughter's only seven. I didn't expect the homework to get that oh, difficult that quickly, because you've been through all this yeah, stuff, because yeah, yeah. your kids are a bit more grown up. But, like, I, yeah. I, I'm really c- kind of struggling a- about how difficult the homework is for kids. So what we're talking, is it sheets to fill in, or is it onto more sort of freewheeling? Kind of freewheeling kind of history and Ooh. why things happen type stuff. Ooh. I'll give you a question that she has asked me that oh. has completely stumped me, okay? okay. And uh, you might want a bit of time to think about it because yeah. I said that I'd get back to her with an answer on this. Okay. Uh, because I didn't know what to say. Okay. So she's doing a project about the plague. Right. Okay, and mm-hmm. I said to her, did you know that one in three people in England died because of the plague? Mm-hmm. And she said, what if there was only two of you? <laughs> And I don't know how to. Re- I don't. I don't know how to answer that. Oh, that's so sweet. It's sweet, but she's got a point, isn't she? What if there was only two of you? Well, you might be the lucky two. That's a good point. Put a means- positive. Put a positive spin on it and say <laughs> if there are only two of you, there was a high chance. I don't know what the stat is because I'm not very good at maths. Yeah, neither am I. Is it thirty percent? Sixty percent? No, yeah. I don't know. Some percent. Yeah. There was a good chance anyway mm. that you would not be the person to get the plague, and in fact. The fact that there were two of you and not three of you yeah. probably denoted that the person who had been there with you had actually died. Has already bought it, pretty it's much. Bought it. Yeah. So I think that's a very, very good philosophical question and one to which you can answer quite positively. Because kids are like that, aren't they? Sometimes yeah. they can ask you a question that just stops you in your tracks. Totally. Uh, do, you, do you have a bluff in terms of answering questions that your daughters ask you? Mel, My, do you make it up as you eye, go along? The eyes go down. I, I lose eye contact <laughs> and literally try and move the subject onto something else. I'm dealing with a 14-year-old and a 13-year-old at the moment. And the maths, for one, yeah. I mean, it's, I, it's absolutely, it's algebra and it's blooming... What's that? Logarithms and pi and all that stuff. Absolutely no idea, mate. Scientific calculators. Do you remember those? In a black plastic case. Have your girls got those? They've got them. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they are. They've got weird symbols on them. Yeah, it's like hieroglyphics or something. I know. 
with regard to the onslaught of homework, it's it is it's it's a bit of a tragedy. It's a, it is a bit of a tragedy that kids get so much homework at that I, early age yeah. as well. Does she enjoy it? Uh, she kind of thinks it's okay. She gets through it and stuff. But I'm worried that she's going to realise that I'm actually quite thick. <laughs> I, I am. I'm not. I'm not putting myself down. I'm actually quite thick. Bush, I'm I'm very much with you there. Not saying that you are thick. <laughs> me too. I have a veneer of sort of. Nying, 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 nying. Yeah. There's nothing underneath, mate. Me, nothing to back it up. Hundred percent. I've got I've got no depth to me at all. No, I'm I, a, a one trick pony. There are no. There are. No, what's that expression? Is there, there's no. What's that thing? Oh, I've lost it. No depth. No. I have hidden shallows. Yes. I have hidden shallows. Me too. It's worrying, isn't it? There needs to be some kind of forum that parents can go on. And, and and fire questions at each other if they've been asked by their kids so they can come back to them that night with an oh, answer on that's it. good. Some kind of panicking f- parent forum. The, panicking th- the Thick Parents Forum. Yes. The TPF. Let's set it up, mate. TPF. I want to just bone up heavily on one subject yeah, and, like, know, and know everything about it. Like the, your, your go-to thing. Exactly. Yeah, like uh, what would it be? Crossrail. <laughs> yes, you would be brilliant at Crossrail. That. I know everything about Crossrail. Okay. But, but you know, it's not not very useful in terms of the kids' homework. Roman coins, stuff like that, maybe not your specialist subject. Anything to cross rail and where the railway line might be going to next? Good. You're on it. Try the Tudors, mate. I sense she's going to have a lot of Tudors coming into her life soon. Shall I get into the Tudor market bone, early? Bone right up on the Tudors, mate, and you will be <laughs> king of all dads. So the homework equivalent of hedging your bets. Exactly. Love it. Podcast time, Mel. And now it's time for podcast. Pom. Pam. Oh. Let's reach in and have a little uh, delve and see what questions someone in the office has asked Mel. Here we go. Okay, come on. I'm ready. Brace, Mel. Brace, brace, brace. Everyone hates a Monday, but what's your favourite thing about them? Oh, there's a sense with Monday that... Anything could happen. You never quite know what's going to happen on a Monday. It's the opening of a new chapter. It is. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I used to get a sort of semi-migraine every Sunday before school with the stress at the idea of school. Really? That back-to-school yeah. feeling? Yeah. Ugh. But then Monday, it's, it surprises you sometimes, doesn't it? Maybe it's that. Maybe because we sort of dread it so much, it can actually turn out to be something rather nice. Like a party that you've really looked forward to yeah. turning out to be a bit rubbish. <laughs> the party that you dread... <laughs> Yes. Can be the absolute cracker. Yes. So that's that's my feeling on Monday. How about you? Yeah, no, I, I'm the same as you. I think since I've left school, Mondays are okay. Yeah. I used to dread... I didn't used to like going to school that much. Mm. And I used to look out in maths. used to look out the window during maths class and you'd see someone go by in, like, their cagoule, walking their dog, and you think, what would it be like to be a civilian? Yeah. And you just walk around and go where you want. Yeah. And then now you grow up, you finish school, you have to go to work. I'd love to go straight back into school. Would you? Love it. Somebody to say, this is what you're doing at ten past ten, then you'll at ten forty you'll have a snack and then, then you'll be somewhere else at eleven ten. Oh, I'd, I love routine. I'd love to go back to school. You see, my, the my, gags, the endless gags. My daughter's just getting her timetable through for her next few things. So wouldn't you love to have a little timetable time again of what classes? Oh, and bells and everything. Oh, the food, everything. School dinners. I used to love school dinners. Same. Love it. Yeah. Should we try and enroll? Let's try and enroll. Get this in wrong. The school for thick parents. <laughs> yeah, let's do Try it. Try and actually learn some facts, Bush. It is time. I am inwardly clenching and straddling and starching. It's time for Tell Mel. You can ask me anything. Start. 
Hey Mel, it's Debbie. I secretly gave away a load of my other half's horrid old clothes to a charity shop last week. And now, to my horror, they're displaying them on the dummy in the window. What do I do? I would be proud, Debbie, if the clothes that I gave to the charity shop were displayed in the window. I would be pleased, nay excited, nay celebrating. Enough of this negativity. Enjoy the dummy, enjoy the clothes in the window. Next. Hey Mel, it's Paul. My friend told me that if you tap your head five times on the pillow and say the time you want to wake up in the morning, you'll wake up at that time. Is this true? Paul, it is absolutely true. Enid Blyton wrote about it in Mallory Towers. Daryl Rivers, the heroine therein, wanted to wake up for a midnight feast. She tapped her head, I believe it was 11 times on the pillow, so she had time to prepare for the feast, and lo and behold, she woke up at exactly the right time. And if Enid says it's true, then it is true. Next! Hey Mel, it's Sarah. After a cracking couple of months, yesterday I massively broke down my New Year's resolution of no chocolate. In fact, I ate an entire box of Jaffa Cakes on the train. Do I own up to my friends or do I keep it a secret? Naughty, naughty, naughty Sarah. You must own up. You must own up and you must pay recompense for that. You, my child, must go... I've turned into some sort of weird 19th century nun. I don't know what's going on. You go out into the street and lick some stones. (laughs) That is the only way that you can pay recompense for what you have done. Think very carefully in the future about that, Sarah. Oh, thank you so much for listening to Miss Scrumptious Little Podcast. Hear more larks, lols and bants like that every Saturday lunchtime from one on Magic. The Mel Gedroyd Podcast.